Our passion didn't start with a mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, and today I have with me Tanya Maestas. Tanya, thank you so much for being on the show today. Kelly, I'm super stoked to be here with you today, and um, yeah, I'm excited to see what we're going to talk about. Well, Tanya and I met each other through the dinks, through the dentists in the know. We got real close and personal during the 12 Days of Christmas segment a few weeks ago. Gosh, that seems like yesterday. But so I said, I've got to have her on because she is an amazing human. And I know that if you're part of the dinks that you are an amazing human. So I'm so glad to spend this time with you today. Well, I'm Tanya, super super happy to happy to be here, Kelly. But um, yeah, what a fun time that was with with the Dinks. I think that they're they're a fun group, great people, and I think that they they just brought us together. And so they sure did. How and I, I love the um, oh, if you guys haven't seen this episode, go back to the Dinks. It's the Twelve Days of Christmas episode. It is freaking hilarious. If you guys could have seen us practicing for that and all the all the bloopers, right? Just to take out yeah. of that reel would have been what people would have been wanting. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but we did it. We we pulled it off. Yes. But the spontaneity <laughs> was great. <laughs> yes. So Tanya, the question that I always ask is why dentistry? Did you choose it? Did it choose you? Yeah. That's a great question. And I think that, you know, everyone has a different path, a different journey. But for me, I did a science project in the fifth grade to see what drinks stains teeth the most. And I had the opportunity to go out to different dental practices and meet with different dentists in the community. And I saw how much, um, you know, they loved their job. They loved um, connecting with their patients and how kind they were for me. And I think at such a young age, it made such a big impression on me that it kind of stuck. And so from that point forward, I I knew that's what I wanted to do. And everything I did was kind of towards getting into dental school and got into dental school. And now we're here. So you liked the the science behind it is what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was so fun. You know, we would, we <laughs> would, they gave me extracted teeth. So I got to throw some extracted teeth into different drinks. We would leave it there for a little bit, brush them. And then when we would just see the color change over time and I got to do it with my parents and it was fun. And uh, yeah, it was just cool to be out in the community. And it was nice that, you know, the dentist took time to listen to me at that age when they could have easily just given me teeth and sent me out the door. So what did you find out? Which, which oh, drinks and yeah, do you remember? <laughs> no, I can't really remember, but I know coffee was up there and Kool-Aid, of course, and oh, uh, Coke yeah. was up there as well, too. So, you know, the, the common stuff that we know, but um, 
Yeah, I can't remember the results 100%. There were so many variables looking back, but it was fun. Those are those are fun times and the things that you're like, oh, I got to do it. But then you sort of get excited. Mine was about the effect of fertilizer and soil on bird seed. Because oh. I had a bird and I was I was thinking, okay, well, this is a seed and we feed it to birds. Will it grow? Oh. Anyway, it did. And Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it, it was just, it's just funny how remember how we remember those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. The first time that we did like a controlled experiment, but mm-hmm. cool that that's how your interest sort yeah, of blossomed. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And science kind of was a passion from there too. So shout out to uh, all those middle school science teachers who teach middle school students. Making, making changes you can make an impact. Fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you up to now? You graduated, you're amazing rock star singing. Uh, you were uh, 12, number 12 golden yes. ring. That's That's I can remember. I'll have to go back and watch it as well too. No, but you're um, making yeah. a huge impact in public oh, health. Oh, well, I, I, hope, I hope that I am. But um, yeah, after dental school, I, I went and did an AGD. I stayed at Houston. I went to school in Houston. I stayed there for another year. Then I came back to my hometown in El Paso, Texas, and I work at a FQHC, Federally Qualified Health Center, about 45 minutes from home outside of the city in Chaparral, New Mexico. And yeah, I, I had a commitment with the National Health Service Corps who paid for my schooling and returned to service in an underserved area. Uh, but for me, I always knew that I wanted to help uh, those who who couldn't help themselves or, you know, are, are, don't have the opportunity to go see a dentist. And so we see a very rural community. Many migrants are in the area. Uh, the majority of the population speaks Spanish. So I am fluent. And um, yeah, if we, if we weren't there, it's likely that many of those patients wouldn't have access to care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really pleased that uh, we're able to be there as well as our medical physicians that are next door. And half a day a week, I'm at the new dental school in El Paso, and we're going to graduate our first class next year. So I guess we're we're not that new, but uh, really, really exciting to see, you know, everything that they're learning, and hopefully it'll all pay off once they start working. Yeah. How many uh, students are, are are accepted every year to that program? Yeah. You- oh, gosh. I'm, I'm going to blank out. Uh, but the first class had about like 45, I believe. And then okay. after that, they in- increased. And so I think they're maybe in the 70s now. Yeah. Uh, if admission, if the admission teams, uh, you this, they're gonna, yeah, they're going to be upset, but I can't yeah, remember. Quote you yeah. on that. It was just a roundabout number. <laughs> yeah. They're, was, they're under a hundred at this point. Okay, cool. Because I was thinking yep. if I was starting a dental school, I'd probably want to smart start smaller yep. and then sort of <laughs> incrementally. Yes. Let's admit 100 just right out the gate. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I think they'll get to that point, but that'll probably be along the line. They may get a new building by then, but uh, it's been so cool to kind of watch how excited the dental students are and, you know, see them struggle the way that we struggled in dental school and help them along the way and just kind of inspire them to, uh, you know, get out there and help others. So from the time since you've graduated and from the time that you're teaching now, what are some of the big differences that you're seeing Perhaps in how education is taught, what the experiences are like. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the curriculum in El Paso is just a little bit different. Everything is digital. They didn't do any waxing. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to do everything digital. Everything is kind of milled and in-house. Um, so that's pretty cool. And I, I think that 
things were very analog for for our class that was graduating. It was starting to you were starting to see that shift into digital, but it wasn't there a hundred percent. And so I think that the curriculum in El Paso is kind of the exception, uh, not the rule, not what everyone's doing now. But I think what we're starting to see in a lot of um, dental schools is that the, that incorporation of digital dentistry is coming in so much earlier on. Mm-hmm. And so I think even the, the a few classes after us at Houston knew so much more about different components of d- digital dentistry than we did. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's that's one change that we're seeing in the in the education uh, field. And that's an exciting thing. Uh, of course, you know, being in public health, we don't have a lot of uh, digital toys, I guess you could call them. But um, I think that in the future, we'll get there. I think that, you know, in the next few years, as cost can, starts to come down, mm-hmm. I think that we'll see that, um, you know, we'll be able to incorporate that in public health settings. And I, I know a few people at FQHCs have scanners. But if anyone listening wants to donate a scanner to our, our clinic, please let me know. Yes. So that is a call out to our listeners. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, I do believe that there are people who listen to this who'd be, what kind of scanner are you looking for? Oh, um, anything. Yeah, whatever. Well, no, we'll say take anything. Say the names. Like, what kind of scanner are you talking about? Like, uh, Oh, I, I mean, I'd, I'd love an Itero scanner. Yeah, I'd love an Itero okay. scanner. But I'll take what we can get, you know, just to help the workflow. Um, one thing that's really unique about our clinic is that locally, none of the labs will come out to pick, to pick up. And so... Um, it's just too far for them. So we have to ship everything out and everything just takes a longer time. But if I could scan, you know, mm-hmm. um, instead of taking an impression and sending it out, it would cut the time for that travel a little bit where we just need to wait for the product to come in. So just a thought. Yeah. And it's, and also too, with any type of population, but I'm sure also with this type of population, sometimes the barriers, right? They keep right. them from coming there. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get them while you got them and right. you gotta treat them where they are. And so them coming back to deliver something or to know when they're going to be able to come back sometimes is a question mark. And so having that capability of digital scanning to be able to do same day care to. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. If we, could, if we could mail in house, that would be awesome. Uh, but I don't think I don't think we're there yet. I do think in the future, you know, with the capability of grants and maybe some companies that could donate some things, we'll get there. Um, but we're not there yet. All right. We'll, well her no, her information is going to be in the show notes. So if anybody listening knows of this, that would help an amazing population in yeah. Texas. This is how good comes about. Is that's right. We, that's right. And we don't usually ask for things on this show, but I'm just saying, you know, we, I, I honor all healthcare providers and all people, but you and your, this unique population that you're serving, which you'll tell us more about in just a moment. It's just a, you guys wear capes. You, you really do. And the services that you're providing are life-saving. They really well, are. Hopefully. I mean, I, I hope to, I, I like to think that and I, I hope that we're doing a lot of good in the community. And, you know, it can be frustrating. It is, you know, like any other practice. It's it, there's a struggle that's there. Um, there's a ton of patients that need to come in and there's only one me, unfortunately. And so there's a bottleneck there. That's that's kind of um, frustrating mm-hmm. as well, too. But uh, we do what we can and we help where we can as well, too. And anything anyone that we can help, we try and connect them with somebody who can. Um, but yeah, it, it's been very rewarding. I, I don't see myself at this point doing anything else other than going into maybe education full time. But, you know, never say never. You never know what's uh, on the horizon. But I've really enjoyed my time in, in public health and really encourage anyone who's listening who maybe wants a change of pace in their career to maybe consider a career or a few years or some time in a, at a FQHC or community health center. To go a little bit further, why public health for you? I know that you, you know, you're 
you have an agreement, all of that, yeah. but you had, you knew that when you went into, like, you knew, yeah, I'm right. going to, I'm signed up for this because it had to be something that you wanted. Yeah. So yeah. So more about where that blossomed from or where, where yeah. that so it's interesting, but that, um, you know, before I applied for dental school, I thought that the only thing that you could do coming out of dental school was going to a private practice. Mm-hmm. I knew the practice that I wanted to buy. I knew who I, who I wanted to work with. I was set. But, um, you know, growing up, my dad always said, you know, there's always money, free money available. You just got to find it out. And so I, I've always been one who kind of sought out different scholarships. Mm-hmm. And before I started dental school, I looked up any any scholarships available for for dental students for dental school and i came across in the national health service corps and i saw that their what their commitment looks like um to the public health sector and so um it just resonated with kind of my mission and why i was going into dentistry growing up in el paso we're, we're a border town we're right um we're right next to Juarez, Mexico, and then right next to New Mexico as well, too. And so many people, if they're not able to afford care here in the United States, they go across to Mexico. And that's fine. There's good and bad dentists everywhere, but mm-hmm. oftentimes that work may not be the best. Mm-hmm. And so it's really difficult to see, you know, our, our community have to seek out care in that way. So I knew that I wanted to help and um, give back to the community and help those pockets that weren't able to receive the care that they needed. And so, yeah, I, I applied for the scholarship. I was thankful to get it. And when I came out of dental school, I started to apply to different sites. This was pre-COVID, so uh, there weren't a lot of job vacancies. Uh, but thankfully, I found the clinic the clinic that I'm at now, and um, it's worked out so far, and uh, I, I've been enjoying it. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So now you're you're doing that, and you're also yes. teaching at the school. Yes. What we had talked about some of the differences that you're noticing, some of the technology, mm-hmm. but then what about some of the growth that you've seen in yourself since that time? Because now you're on the other side, right? Yes. And you're coming back as a faculty member. So <laughs> what are some of the things, if you can think of them, that you wish that you could have told yourself when you're in dental school as you're seeing it through the lens of a faculty now? Yeah, I think that the biggest advice and something that I try to remind students is that, you know, at the end of the day, it is just teeth. And I think that we all can work ourselves up about a millimeter and it can ruin our entire day. And I can remember being in dental school and just being frustrated over, you know, things that I felt were failures. And, um, you know, they're, they're students and we're all, we're, we are in the practice of dentistry. We're all practicing to get better. So I think that that's something that I try to remind them so that way they can run, remind themselves that if they are not feeling good at that point, that's fine. Learn from that and learn to see how you can grow from it. Uh, but it's okay to make those mistakes. But as long as you're putting the patient at the forefront and, and giving them the best care that you can provide to them, I think that's the, that's the most important message there. Absolutely. Anything else? Like from uh, how you perhaps, okay, so we all had instructors in school. Yeah. And we all had pr- instructors, professors with different personalities, yes. teaching styles, all of that. How have you, I'm just like putting you on the spot here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. how do you feel like that shaped you and who you are as an educator right Man, now? You know, I thought, I, yeah, I thought I was going to come in and be a strict educator. No, I don't think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, you know, I try and help the student out as much as I can, but you know, the reason that I would like to go into education kind of full-time was because of the experiences that I had with faculty members, both good and bad. But I think that they inspired me really to just help the next generation of students. And, um, you know, a lot of my mentors are, are 
a lot of these faculty members that I did have. And so I really, you know, enjoyed my dental experience as much as I could, uh, aside from all the, the trauma that we come out with. Um, but I'm a product of the education that I received at Houston and a product of the education that was given to me by the faculty that I work with. And so I, I take it very serious when I'm with the students that I am here to help provide some knowledge to help you grow. And even after they graduate, if they have any questions or need any resources, I hope that I can serve as that resource to them. That's awesome. That mentorship is... is yeah, yeah, mentorship is, is key. Yeah. I don't think any of us could be where we are without a mentor in our lives. Yeah. I felt like when I was in school, I mean, this was once upon a time, but you can fe- it can feel very lonely. Mm-hmm. When you're in school, uh, you, you you have your classmates, but sometimes your classmates aren't, you don't gel with them. They're not your personality. It's fine. Not, and I was just in school. I, when I was at school, I wanted to be at school. It wasn't mm-hmm. socialization hour. It wasn't anything like that. It was just, I was there for that reason. That's what I did. And in that way, you know, I, I think probably looking back at my former self, I would have said, network a little bit, get to know what they know, bounce stuff off of other people. I think it was during my graduate education that I really figured out that that collaboration with your classmates was was key, a part of the key to enjoying it. Not that I didn't enjoy hygiene school. I mean, it was traumatic in some ways, but <laughs> you know, like right, all yeah. of us, but it's, I, I learned a lot about myself through talking to other people. But then also too, I, I'm thinking about this as I'm saying this, folks who are in the master's program, they're coming in from a different perspective. They're not mm-hmm. entry-level dental hygienist. And, you know, at the at the dental school, you're teaching entry-level dentist there. So I, I'm just I'm just thinking about, you know, is there anything that you would have done differently or were you really close to your classmates or you feel connected while you were in school or what was uh, yeah, you- I- I did. <laughs> I did. guess I, right. I yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved being social and you know, I try and encourage the students now to, you know, have as much fun as they possibly can. It was a very fun time in my life. I always compare my dental experience to a roller coaster. The highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Um, you know, just kind of ebbed and flowed as it did. But I I had a great dental school kind of was was the the social club for me. I, I went, I had a great time. I spoke to the to the faculty members, we hung out, spoke to the students and we hung out and so um from that perspective, it was great. From the material perspective, it was very difficult and I struggled and it was a huge awakening for me, you know, starting from the first year. Uh, but when I look back at all the fun times, um, I look back at that dental experience with a lot of joy. So you're teaching what what year of students right now? Um, you know, I'll, I'll teach any of them that are in the clinic, but okay. I'm mostly with the third years. With third and years. And so, yeah. So it's great to, you know, kind of go back and forth and answer their questions and kind of help deliver the why. I think that was a maybe a big thing for me in dental schools. I didn't understand the why. I was just going through the motions to get done mm-hmm. and to get out. And so um, COVID was a huge time for me because I sat through every webinar there possibly was, and I tried to learn as much as I could. And my AGD helped a lot as well, too. But I started to learn things and started to comprehend, you know, everything that maybe I wasn't digesting in dental school because it kind of just was all coming to me at once. Yeah. Um, and so I try, I try and give them the why, the why they're doing things, you know, how bonding works, why they're using this kind of material as much as I can, you know, I'm still learning as well too. And if they ask me something that I don't feel comfortable or I, or I genuinely don't know, I tell them, Hey, you know, this is the practice of dentistry, like I mentioned, and uh, we're going to find out together. So it's uh, something that I remind them that even as a, a practicing dentist, you're not going to know everything. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's when you graduate, that's when you begin the real learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> the real, real learning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, okay, this day is embarks that you realize that you know about this much. <laughs> I know. I still feel like I don't know enough. I, I learn every day. Well, the more we learn, the more it just grows. And so it's mm-hmm. like we're always sort of chasing it. So you're, uh, are, you said, you mentioned that you're the only dentist at the FQHC. Yes, we, we should be too. We, we have several sites throughout Southern New Mexico, but at my site, we, we should be two dentists. But um, we've had a few that have come in and, you know, spent some time there and then have gone out to do a, a, another thing. It's hard to find people who want to stay in public health as a career. It's kind of just like a, a starting point or, you know, a stop along the way in their path. And that's fine. I think that that's great that there's a great opportunity to learn and build your skill with that community, uh, especially for new dentists who are coming out who may not know uh, what they want to do, or maybe aren't, um, you know, maybe they don't want to go into a residency or a DSO or private practice right away. This is a great place to be. You grow a ton. Um, And so, but it is a kind of a pit stop for many people. Some mm-hmm. people will come in, some of the dentists will come in and they'll, they'll go on to do other things. Uh, but I, I still think that they make an impact with their time there. Um, but yeah, we are hiring. So if anyone wants to come work with me, uh, please come on over. Um, but it's fun. You know, it, I, I'm fine practicing alone as well, too. I think that uh, I can kind of practice the way that I'd like and I don't feel any any pressure to do anything in a certain way. The the corporation as a whole, the FQHC as a whole, doesn't really push me to do anything that I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing. Um, so that's been really nice. And I can try any material that I'd like to try out. And uh, it's been fun for me to kind of uh, test things out as well. Do you have a team that supports you on site? You have an assistant, you have a hygienist yeah. or? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have an amazing, amazing hygienist right now who's pregnant and um, will be delivering soon. And we pray that she comes back after she delivers. And then two assistants and two front desk. And it's a great team. And once we do add another dentist, which hopefully we will sometime in the future, we'll add another two uh, assistants to the team. But right now we have a very cohesive team. You know, it all, this is also something that ebbs and flows and has been kind of difficult uh, with building the right team for the kind of dentistry that you want to deliver, especially in this kind of setting. Um, but we have an excellent team right now, and I, I just feel really comfortable and pleased where we're at. In this position... What are some of the biggest, I say, you know, learning opportunities that you've had because you stepped into a position that was in public health, you're managing, working alongside of people. Where are the areas that you feel like you've grown the most? Um, I think I've grown a little bit more with having tough conversations, whether it's with the team or with patients and also learning to say no. It can be really hard to say no to a patient, uh, but if you know that maybe you won't do well by the patient or your scope of practice can't do X procedure, mm-hmm. um, saying no is important. And that can be really hard. As a people pleaser, that can be really, really hard for me. Um, so I think that that's something that I continue to kind of grow in. Um, I think just in life, saying no is hard, but I think that I continue to kind of learn. Um, from a technical aspect, you know, I... I continue to grow in, in my knowledge of different materials and things that I can do for patients. Um, so it's kind of cool to, to watch my skill kind of grow, like my own hand skills. It's cool to kind of see that, that grow over time. Uh, because I know that when I was in dental school, it definitely was not where it's at now. And I have so much room to continue to grow, but I, I'm really pleased where uh, things, things are coming along. I'm learning. Yeah. Do you guys have a wait list where you are? 
Yeah. Um, yes. Works. Yeah. So, uh, kind of R- right now I'm actually, I'm, I'm not working right now. I've been helping my mom. She had some surgery, so I'm away from the clinic, but I'll, I'll be back hopefully at the end of next month or so. Um, so people have been waiting for me with that, but, uh, we were at one point booking out like six months ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we would welcome any kind of emergency, but at that point, at the six month point, six, seven month, I, I told people that we, we weren't going to schedule anymore. Cause there's just no way I couldn't be booking out, you know, a whole year out. I, I would never catch up and there'd be no place to put, um, people who have, um, emergent or urgent procedures that need mm-hmm. to be completed. So at one point, at one point we were at three months and then we were at six months. And so we'll see once I go back, what that'll look like, um, and see if we're able to kind of catch up and, and go from there. But yes, there usually is some kind of wait list. Are you all the other other safety nets around you or are you the primary safety net? Yeah. I, you know, I think that there is another dentist in the community. Um, I don't think a whole lot of people go, go to them. Uh, they're in New York practice and then we're, we're about five or six other uh, dental offices in, in the Southern part of New Mexico. Um, so we, we have another clinic that's about 30 uh, minutes away, give or take mm-hmm. maybe a little bit less. So patients could go over there uh, and the, they're, those are the dentists that are helping me out right now that when I'm not in the clinic, um, but it's a transportation issue um, that can be very challenging for a lot of patients. Some patients can't go. They, they just don't have a right to go. Right. Um, so that can be hard. Maybe we were talking before we hopped on hopped on stage that a lot of it, you have experience with folks who are Hispanic and descent and also have diabetes. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about what you've learned about that. Oh my gosh, the we all know the di- diabetic oral connection is huge, mm-hmm. and I think that getting your diabetes under control is huge, not only for your life, uh, but also for the oral cavity. And I've also seen patients who come in who, you know, if, I would say many of them, if not all of them, uh, diabetics, uh, need some kind of scaling and root planing. And once they get that under control, that also works wonders for them in their lifestyle. Oftentimes, some patients will come in and say, hey, you know what, my A1C went down a little bit after my SRP, and that's huge. So it's really exciting to um, see patients get excited about taking care of their health. One of the really cool things about being at this FQHT that I'm at is that right next door, we have our physicians. And so oftentimes, you know, the physician that they see is is right there. If I have any questions or need a consult, I can just jump over. Um, so and that's really, really convenient. And so I think that this this is the way that that I hope that, you know, healthcare transitions to in the future is that blend between medicine, physicians, and dentistry. It just should all come together. And it's really nice to be able to see uh, patients' medical records, see their labs, um, see how things have trended over time, look at their glucose levels or A1C, um, and and play a part in the education of, you know, what they should be consuming, how often the importance of exercise, the importance of coming in to see a dentist. Um, Yeah. So, Ton, ton, ton of diabetics in the community. Um, us Hispanics, we love we love sweets, <laughs> so it's it's uh, very prevalent um, in different communities, especially within Hispanics. One because sweets are very delicious; it's a part of our culture, it's a part of our meals. But two, I think because the education is just is not there. Yeah, so that's I mean, just the education alone and the impact yes. that that's making the ripple effect with that. I. I just, we can't underestimate the change, the behavioral modifications and the information that we're giving our patients. It's life-changing for them, for their families, for, you don't know where it stops. 
Right. Yes. Um, we try and get, you know, for a while I was doing a, a small little program with pregnant patients and giving them a little brochure on the importance of coming in as while they're pregnant to get, you know, a screening and, so, and a cleaning done. And then the importance of bringing their children in after they do have their child, you know, uh, before once their first tooth erupts. And so hopefully that hopefully we're making a dent in that education and that knowledge that's available in in the community. Um, that's that's all I I hope and I, I pray for. And, uh, you know, we, we have uh, mothers who come in with many children and we have one mother who has like five, six children. And she is so good at never missing an appointment and making sure that her children come in for, mm. for whatever they may need because she knows the value and she knows the importance of doing that because we've had some issues, you know, before where her children had pain before, but oh. we've gotten to the point where she has been so consistent and so good. And I hope that, uh, you know, others will follow her example because she truly is that model patient. Well, I love too that you have the the support, the interdisciplinary support on the other side of the house of your of your care facility where they can go immediately for an evaluation if there's something that needs to be checked or some type of emergent issue. So I, I love that. And you're right. That's like the way of the future. So in some ways you don't have digital, but you have that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I'll take that. Uh, it's so nice. You know, if we ever have some kind of like medical emergency, I can call them over and they're there in a minute to help, you know, whatever it may be. Usually it's people sugar dropping because they didn't eat, eat before they came to the uh, appointment. But uh, it's nice to have them there. Just that support network, you know, that reassurance that if something goes wrong, they're there to help. Yeah, especially with high-risk populations like you're seeing and caring for. Mm -hmm. Are there any final words that you want to say to the followers, say to our listeners, the followers of this program, the show? Yeah. uh, You know, thank you so much, Kelly, for having me on. And um, I I hope that we all are making a dent in in what we do and in the populations that we serve. But, you know, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, if you're feeling lost in the profession, the profession can feel very lonely. But if you're looking for a change, Maybe looking into public health, uh, maybe uh, another step, a different direction for you to take. I think that you will find that it's very rewarding. Um, you're doing something different. You'll probably be in a rural community, but it, it's a lot of fun. And if that's not for you, uh, go out to dental school because they need all the educators that they they, they can get. Uh, and it's a lot of fun to work with students. I think that they have really interesting questions and uh, you're able to shape what the future of um, dentistry will really look like. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being yeah, on today. Thank you. For anyone who wants to get in touch with Tanya, that her information is in the show notes, the way to reach out to her. She's offered mentoring, uh, you, you name it. She's offered a lot of things. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm an open book and glad to help where I can. So yeah, please feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And to my followers, listeners, thank you so much for what you do every day for those lives that you touch, the lives that you save every day. And thank you for listening. And and then please always ask the favor to go onto Apple and give us five-star reviews, please. And then go on over to YouTube. You can see this full vodcast and like, subscribe, and share with your friends. So for now, be well, my friends, with love. We will see you next time. Thank you, Tanya. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you.